Hey, this is Todd Stacy and Mary Sell. Welcome to In the Weeds with Alabama Daily News. And Mary, what a weedy week it has been. <laughs> it has been a week. It has been like three weeks in one week. I mean, uh, and we knew it was going to be a busy week, just looking at the meeting schedule, lots of legislative meetings this week. Right. But I don't know, as we we're thinking about doing this podcast, I started, like, let's just make a list of all the things. I thought I was going to have like three. No. no, it's a bunch. So it's a bunch. Let's get to it. <laughs> Monday, we had the uh, special master maps come out. Yes. So we, we knew that was going to happen. Correct. But that was huge, right? I mean, we finally see these these redistricting maps from the special master. Huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, which we had a big analysis of for Inside Alabama Politics. And that's mm-hmm. for, I mean, just a little inside baseball behind the curtain a little bit. Like putting together Inside Alabama Politics is a huge lift. And so I'm going to put that on the <laughs> I list wasn't going to complain about it. But <laughs> like by Tuesday morning, I was already like, oh, is it Thursday yet? And then right. Tuesday oh, just got absolutely. bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad we got it done. I'm glad we got IEP done because yes. had we waited even a day or even a couple of hours, the next thing that happened was the Supreme Court ruling, which is yes. probably the biggest news of the week. Supreme Court denying yeah. this Alabama's request for a stay on those maps. Right. Um, Can't use your map, Alabama. Right. I mean, it, it was just short and sweet, right? It was uh, uh, both cases, the Milligan and the Casey um Cases were were stayed. So huge deal. Then we had prison construction finance meeting mm-hmm. where we learned more it's going to be you know more than a billion dollars just for the Elmore facility. That's huge news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Go downstairs to the legislative council meeting <laughs> or across the street to the legislative council meeting where they took a huge step forward on building a new state house. Also yeah. huge news. Also huge news. <laughs> Special election. Huge um, news in two parts of the state. Yep. Uh, yeah. Alpha endorsing Sarah Stewart for chief justice, which was also, I mean, a few people saw that coming. Yeah. Um, we had the opioid settlement meeting today. This yeah. week we had There's, the sunset. Sunset. Sun, my spicy sunset meetings now. I They're, they're must watch. So right. watching those today and yesterday and. Um, to say nothing of what's happening in DC, yeah, there was a big yeah. space calm, um, hearing today, so yeah, anyway, hell of a week in Alabama it's politics, it's a lot, but we're we've got it covered, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we're proud of our coverage, but it's it's been, um, it's been. Interesting. Yeah, it, it's been a week, and I, just to go back to the prisons, um. Real quick before I forget, because I have the attention span of a squirrel right now. But um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch that process. So we know that the Elmore site is more than a billion dollars now. Um, that's obviously that's most of what lawmakers committed in 2021 when they said they wanted a prison in Elmore and Scambia counties. We had this in IAP, um, but I think this is something to watch moving forward. You know, the, that legislation allowed for these design-build contracts because at the time, two years ago, folks said, oh, it'll be quicker and possibly cheaper to do it this way, design-build, just one one bid, get it all done. 
think we're hearing some some lawmakers, notably Senator Albritton, um, questioning that and, and and saying that maybe for Escambia County, because that project has not been bid yet, maybe for Escambia County, they need to revisit that. So um, mm-hmm. I know everybody's like, oh, billion dollars on Elmore County. I'm, I think we'll... That that those conversations are probably ongoing on what um, possible changes. I mean, bottom line, lawmakers are not happy about this. That's right. I mean, um, and I I learned a lot being in that meeting actually because I was under the impression that it was all about, inter, you know, um, inflation, rising costs mm-hmm. of materials, supply chain. I thought that was what the increased costs were for. Which that's that's a big part of it, mm-hmm. but what I didn't realize is is that the state and the designer had changed the scope like a couple of times in terms mm-hmm. of you know we want the educational component, we want the health care component, and so pretty big design changes that added to the engineering costs and things like that. And so I wasn't aware of that, and I thought that you know the um, lawyer who's like brokering the deal explained some of that in the in the meeting, but yeah, it's, it is a huge deal. And, um, you know, it's, the, we, we talked about it. I talked about it with Albritton on Capital Journal a little bit. It's like, if you go back, cause I asked him, I'm like, I know you're not happy about this process, but like y'all are the ones that did it. Y'all are the ones that voted on it. Right. Cause the governor was going to do her like lease to own sort of deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, but the legislature didn't want that, but they did want this, you know, so they, no, please don't do that governor. We're going to do this thing on, on our own. Well, now they're complaining. I mean, that cost. fell apart. I mean, right. that, that fellow that died a natural death without any action on anybody's part. I think the, the yeah. least to own, but that's not, and Sorry. well, cause they couldn't get financing. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, I guess the, what we also talked about is like, man, if you could go back, to 2015, 2016, when this was all sort of getting cooked up, mm-hmm. um, you know, we could have or a time. for a billion dollars? <laughs> oh, or I think, for- <laughs> yeah, it, was, it would have been way cheaper. And look, we didn't know inflation was going to go crazy. We didn't know a lot of that stuff. But I, yeah, it's a billion dollar prison is, um, that's that's a big number. And um, w- when there are so many other needs, you know, in the state. Right. Exactly. So yeah, just something, something to watch as these conversations continue. Well, and put it this way: so the like, like I said, we're at the prison meeting, and literally go right across the street to the state house where the legislative council was meeting mm-hmm. um, to take a big step forward on constructing a new state house. And like the first question that Kim Chandler asked of um, Senator Gavan, he's he's the chairman. Mm-hmm. is like, you know, we just learned across the street that we're spending a billion dollars on a prison. Do you think now is the time to be building this, this another, you know, huge project? Which, look, the two aren't related, but that's right. how big of a deal the prison thing is. It's, it's going to affect every yeah. time somebody wants to spend money on anything, it's going to be like, oh, well, what about the prison? So mm-hmm. that's, that's to me, like the political fallout from, from these increased costs. Right, right, for sure. But we do need a new state house. <laughs> oh, I'm team. Yeah, like you're not going to hear. <laughs> yeah, I again, I don't advocate for anything 
but I'm team new stay at house only because yeah. the public access is almost non-existent. It's atrocious. And it was in that meeting. I mean, that, that we, you know, we couldn't really all, I don't know that, that, and then um, you go upstairs to the fifth floor or the, I guess, no, it's right there on the sixth floor um, and the ceilings falling in, in the um, house gallery. I'm oh, sure they'll wow. patch it up by the time session comes around, but it's like this huge, and there's like buckets of water and everything. Yeah, that's a good like, Come on. And that's where the public is supposed to view it. Yeah. And then, you know, one of our three elevators in the lobby is out. It's just a dump. And so, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, well, we need to get to our guest. Okay. At some point. And this is, this is big because, Mary, like since redistricting really got going, I guess since the start of the special session, we've been... It's it's been hard to get lawmakers on the record. Well, Republicans mm -hmm. on the record about redistricting because they didn't want to say anything that might end up in a court document. jeopardizing the court. Yeah, jeopardizing the court case. Um, one of those uh, members is Chris Pringle. The he's, he's the chairman of the redistricting joint redistricting committee. I guess co-chairman, mm -hmm. um, speaker pro tem of the House, longtime member. Um, and so he's been really involved in this issue. I mean, I don't know how many times I asked to talk to him. You asked to talk to him. And he, he, right, just, he was right. very careful. And I get that. I do understand that. But, but he can talk now. But yeah. So <laughs> that, and that was interesting, right? It was like the ruling comes down and it's like, OK, <laughs> Are you ready to ready to talk? And he was. Um, yeah. He came to Montgomery and was uh, he sat down with me for Capital Journal. And then we just walked right into my office and recorded an interview. And so he was really candid. Um, I, I'm eager for your reaction to it. I'm sorry that we couldn't do it together. It just happened so quickly. We had to kind of just go. I understand. It's okay. Um, but I, I thought it was illuminating. He talks about the process. He talks, he, he's candid about like, you know, he didn't like what the Senate produced. He didn't right. like the final plan um, and didn't really agree with the attorney general's strategy in terms of, you know, going through the courts. And I, so I think you, you might find that interesting. I, I sure did. And it, uh, Pringle is anything. Uh, candid is, is an <laughs> understatement. Right. You don't have to wonder. This. You don't have to wonder what uh, Representative Pringle is thinking at any given moment. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So anyway, here's my interview with State Representative Chris Pringle. Mr. Pringle, thanks for coming on Capitol. Uh, thanks for coming on In the Weeds. Uh, my pleasure. Glad to be here. All right. Let's get into it. So we've got the special master maps. Um, we've got the ruling from the Supreme Court. They are not going, elections will not proceed with what the legislature drew. They will proceed with one of the three maps that the special master has drawn, presumably. I guess, I guess there's a comment period. What's your basic reaction to all this from your from your vantage point of having to, you've been in this issue for really years at this point? Yeah. You know, I, I said all along the Supreme Court was not going to stay any decision. It was, it was too close to an election. It was, it, it, they stayed it last time for us. They weren't going to give us a reprieve again. Um, but we thought the court ordered the special master to present three different plans. And really all he presented was 
three variations of the VR, VRA plan presented by the plaintiffs. Just it's basically the same plan, just slight little variations to it. So. Yeah, there's like there's there's changes to Houston and Henry counties, yeah. and then there's how much do you take from Mobile, basically? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and then some some Jefferson County, you know, between the I guess the sixth and the seventh. Yeah, there's a, there's a little tweaking up there. Yeah, yeah, but, but that, that's mostly like whether you live in Homewood or, you know, Vestavia or something like that. Exactly. But what surprised us is, you know, and this is where uh, Dr. Joe Reed has a problem that the, that the districts too are not over 50% BVAP. They're like 48%. Uh, they're not quite there, but, and he wants them at 54%. So he's filing to challenge this, this, these three judges asking for special master to draw plans with higher BVAPs in the second district. Well, do you think he has a point based on, what the court has said. I mean, cause I was a little bit surprised too. There's one plan. I guess it's the, the remedial plan one that has 50.1 or something. Yeah. The rest of them are below 50. Were you surprised at that? Yeah. It's a, uh, it, it's that, that was Terry Sills district. Um, that what is her? Now hers was like 52. Yeah. Hers remained yeah. around the same, but that, yeah. that one plan for the, I'm talking yeah. about the second district. Second, yeah. yeah. There was only one plan that had majority. Yeah, and it's uh, very slight. So right, it, it's going to be interesting to watch because uh, if you look at the analysis, that they were win like fourteen out of seventeen, or or fifteen out of seventeen races, or seventeen out of seventeen races, which I find fascinating because I I don't know what races they looked at, but it's very difficult to find campaigns in the state of Alabama over the last fifteen years where a Democrat was actually a viable candidate that was actually funded and actually had support. I mean, you can't look at the, the Democrat that ran against Kay Ivey. She spent like, what, $10,000 statewide against Kay Ivey. And, and that's the problem. There's That's that's really not even fair to compare, right? Ex- exactly. Yeah. It, it's, you know, that, there's no organization. I'm thinking like John England Supreme Court race, maybe? Like, that's the, I'm, I'm thinking about. Well, a, Doug Jones. Well, but I'm thinking yeah. about a black candidate. Yeah. And there's a well. They just they said Democrats, so right. But that see to me that's a big difference. Well, they said um, candidate of a uh, black candidate of choice or ca- candidate of the black vote choice or something like that. So well, I, I may be Doug Jones that. was when he when he ran. Sure, but there's a big difference there. There's a big and we I talked about this in Inside Alabama Politics. There's a big difference between a white Democrat running and a black Democrat running. There is a history in Alabama of white voters maybe crossing over and voting for a white Democrat, but but that doesn't necessarily happen for black Democrats. And so like a Doug Jones, totally different candidate. Of course you have the Roy Moore thing. Um, Walt Maddox, totally different thing. And so I don't know, are we, are we talking about, are we comparing scenarios that really aren't comparable and drawing maps that, uh, I guess I'm, I'm kind of wandering here, but put it this way. Let's say the second district tomorrow is 48.7% black voting age population. There's an argument out there. But that's still not a guarantee for a Democrat because of how polarized the voting is amongst race. The court ruled that we had to provide an opportunity that's the is it opportunity or guarantee? Okay. That's the that's the question. And at forty eight percent, 
they have an opportunity because if you look at the, the history of the voting turnout, based on what their their pr- professional person put out, they win the vast majority of the races in that district. Mm. But again, it's hard to find because when we were trying to do it, looking at truly viable Democrat candidates. I mean, there, there's just not many viable Democratic candidates left in the state. They don't have money. They don't have an organization. Look, I mean, the, the problems at the Democratic Party are well documented in the press. I mean, they, they've got some real problems. And I, I had uh, one of my Democrat friends tell me who just came back from D.C. that they're not sure the Alabama Democratic Party is even going to have seats at the Democratic Convention. Because of all their shenanigans. Yeah. And what, what the plan will be is the, the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, will f- move a field staff down here, and they will just completely ignore the state party. But th- yeah. I say that because the Democratic Party doesn't have a structure. It doesn't have an organization to back their candidates. They, they have a terrible time raising money. All these candidates that are looking at these jobs are going to have to rely on outside money. Because they're going to have to rely on the George Soros's and the and the well D triple C for yeah. sure yeah. yeah well yeah I remember talking to uh, Chris England about that he just kind of rolled his eyes a little bit he he tried his best yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> as chairman of the well I thought I thought when Chris and Patricia Todd took over as chairman and vice chairman of the Democratic Party that they would they would be able to put it back together and and become a formidable party again and unfortunately it, it didn't work Chris is a very smart man and and, and so is Patricia Todd. Well, yeah, and so when he wipes his hands of it, you know, there's a there's a problem. Yeah. Let's we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's yeah. back up because we talked about this again. We're coming off of our Capitol Journal interview. We talked a little bit about the special session, and I've been sensing some frustration. Uh, well, I sensed that during the special um, the frustration amongst Republicans. In the months since, especially this week and the week uh, last week, I'm sensing a little bit of buyer's remorse, especially from senators who think maybe we could have gotten it better. Maybe we could have done something ourselves and not relied so much on the whole attorney general plan to get it back to the court. So take me back to the special session and the decision making, because y'all worked hard on these maps and, and how that actually went. To from from y'all drawing it to basically k- taking the AG's plan, we uh, we work very closely with the attorneys for the reapportionment committee and our our demographer. Um, just the week before that special session, <clears throat> I told Mister Lacour I was not interested in his plan to get it back to the Supreme Court. That I didn't think the court would take it up again. Uh, it was too close to the election. This is Eddie LaCour, the yeah, Eddie uh, LaCour. solicitor and, general. Yeah. And and I wasn't interested in that. I was interested in trying to work together and, and come up with a plan I thought the court would pass, would accept. And um, after that that committee meeting, Mr. LaCour came into the reapportionment office where I was, and and my the attorney and the demographer, um, he was on his phone. He said he had to go meet with his boss, and he packed his bag, and he left. And that was the last time I saw Mr. LaClure doing a special session. And I was told later he he went upstairs to meet with the senators. And what happened after that, I don't know. All I know is that plan materialized, that Eddie LaClure drew, and uh, they came to me and said, 
here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to take our plan and we're going to bring your bill up and substitute our plan in your bill and pass our plan with your num your name on it. And I told told them in absolutely I said no uncertain terms that was not going to happen. If they wanted to send that bill to three federal judges, they're going to have to send it with their name and their number on it. That I would not have my name or number on that bill. Mm. And you know we were here to pass a plan. The Senate made it perfectly clear they were not going to pass ours, the how the plan the House passed, which was the community of interest plan. So we we just passed theirs. You know, the attorney general said though in his response to the Supreme Court ruling that that no plan that would I guess include yours uh, would have passed Supreme Court muster based on his reading of the uh there's the there's and I agree with the Attorney General that, and I, and I, I you know, behind the closed doors, I, I, I always said my plan at best at 50-50, at very best. But the plan we passed had zero. And the the problem now, if you go read the transcripts of the, that court, those court hearings, those judges are furious. Those judges are mad because because they think the legislature didn't try. It was yeah, and, and that's what I was. That's what I want to get to. So do you think had the legislature passed your plan or something close to it, um, do you think they would have perceived at least that the legislature was trying and not trying to uh, abide um, by the ruling and not just flouting it? I was trying. I can't speak for the judges and I don't want to speak for the legislature, but I was truly trying to come up with something, given the constraints we've talked about of not pairing incumbents and trying to maintain the core of existing districts. I was trying to do that. Yes. Because mm -hmm. now every federal judge in the 11th Circuit is furious with us. And in January, I go stand in front of three more federal judges. One of them's name is Ann Manasco, and she was on this other panel. And I can assure you, reading the transcript, she is not happy. And I have to go stand in front of her in January and try and defend the legislative seats, both the House and Senate. Uh, and I don't think I have a we're going to have a lot of credibility with the courts right now. Well, that's one thing we haven't talked about much is, you know, you know we everybody's talking about the congressional map, which is a huge deal, obviously. And there's a reason why it's a huge deal, because the Congress, the House majority might depend on it. But we, there's well, I don't guess anybody's challenging the school board districts, but um, you've got new Senate districts, new House districts, and there is at least one lawsuit out of there, too. They're challenging uh, a couple seats in the House. They keep amending it, and they're challenging uh, one. I think they're down to one Senate uh, seat, Will Barfoot seat. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, the, and from what I've understood, the arguments might, like, flip-flop on that in terms of racial gerrymandering, but so going back to federal court, is that Considering the judge's displeasure with the legislature, is that why you resubmitted the community of interest plan, like as a comment or whatever to the to the judges to, to like demonstrate, hey, we not all of us wanted what passed. Yeah, exactly. It was just you know that was my way of, of trying to tell the judges that I attempted to. That's yeah. I just want them to know that I was trying to comply. Whether it did or not, I don't know. I'm not an attorney. But I think that was the best I could have done, given the constraints on me and the other members of the committee, to try and pass something that would satisfy the judges. What about those that might say, "Well, come on, Chris, you're not being a team player. We're, we got to, you know, 
hold hands and jump off this cliff if you're submitting your own plan and you're not being a team player. And I was a team player when I went along and, and with with passing the plan that we eventually passed. Uh, but it's not just the Alabama team this is going to affect. This is going to affect every congressional district in, this, in the United States of America. We talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, what's happened now is Louisiana and the Carolinas, all, they're all going to have to start racially gerrymandering their districts because from Section 2 saying you're not entitled to representation based on the percentage of your population to now you're, you're, you're entitled to representation based on the percentage of your population. And, and the, the, the interesting question for me is that's just African-Americans. What happens when the other minorities in the other states start demanding representation based on the percentage of their population? What happens when you know, there's always going to be another group come along that's, that's more grieved or, or treated worse than, than this group? There's going to be somebody else. And these other these other minorities are going to start looking at this and say, hey, you know, we know Section 2 was written to, pro- to protect African-Americans, but what about Native Americans? What about, you know, Cuban Americans? What about? Well, I certainly believe that redistricting, I've heard that redistricting in Texas is way different. And the, and the legal questions are way different, just considering the giant Hispanic population and how that all, you know, flushes out. So I do think um, oh, yeah. the Supreme Court has to answer this at some point. Yeah, they're, they're, the Supreme Court kind of plays the long game. I, I don't think they're going to overturn Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, or I don't think they're going to clarify it on a lawsuit out of Alabama. Yeah. I, I think they'll do it out of another state. I mean, you know, they, they did away with Section 5 on a lawsuit out of Alabama. And everybody, and this is what cracks me up, all the liberals went nuts, screaming and yelling, they've gutted the Voting Rights Act. It's no longer enforceable. Some of the Shelby decision, yeah. Yeah, because they they did away with preclearance. Well, we just found out that Voting Rights Act is still alive and and very strong. So, you know, it's all the mashing of the teeth and all the anxiety right now. You know, if you look down the road 10 years, it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out and what the Supreme Court eventually comes back with because they've kind of created a mess now and I think they understand it, but they weren't willing to address it on an Alabama map. Well, I, I agree with that because I, I wouldn't say that the Supreme Court has necessarily created the mess. I would say that they have um, chosen not to clarify the mess, right? And and I think you're exactly right about Alabama. Like we are in many ways the reason for the voting rights act. I mean, we're just standing across the street from the building they marched to in order to get the voting rights act. So it just and and I always thought like uh, we're the reason for litigation in redistricting. Reynolds v. Sims came out of Alabama. Okay, just, just yeah, <laughs> piling on top. And I always thought like, okay, we're we're trying to do this Kavanaugh thing, right? So Kavanaugh in his um, concurrence dissent slash leaves this window open about compactness and you know where he's ranking things and that's sort of where the ag's going like okay if we can fit in this window maybe we get kavanaugh to flip and we can and and do that well to me it always felt a little bit risky just because like all right as much as these are supreme court justices and we think that they're you know, weighing the scales, you know, like the, like the lady justice or whatever. Um, they're also human beings. Justice Roberts is a very much a outcomes driven chief. There's no question about that. I mean, look at 
gay marriage. Well, I, no, no, he, he was different on that. Look at um, Obamacare, look at other things. Very much an outcomes-driven justice. Well, Kavanaugh's a human being, too. And as much as he might agree or disagree or whatever, remember his confirmation? He spent months being called a rapist. Do you think he also now wants to be called a racist, you know, if he overturns it based on overturns the Voting Rights Act based on Alabama? Like to me, that's just that's asking a lot of a human being. I agree with that. That's one of the reasons why I, I, I kind of disagreed with the strategy. I thought it was putting too much pressure on one particular judge. It was too open and too, you know, everybody was talking about it. But remember this. Justices are there for life. They play a much longer game than politicians do who are here for a short period of time. Mm. Uh, I, I think they I think they know there's a problem because of the ambiguity and what we can and can't do. And I think they were trying to figure out a way to 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 clarify it. Our lawsuit, I don't think it was a lawsuit they wanted to take up. I don't think they wanted to take up a lawsuit from Alabama because Alabama overturned preclearance. But they just overturned affirmative action. They overturned you know the abortion ruling. Right. I don't think they were in the willing to take the political heat for overturning the Section Two of the Voting Rights Act when they think they can wait and take another lawsuit from another state because the, the Attorney General is is right on. I agree with most of his legal arguments. I mean, we are clearly in the area of racial gerrymandering now. It sounds like a disagreement over strategy, not ideology. Exactly. That's all it is. I mean, I, I, I think the world is Steve Marshall, but it's just, you know, it's a different strategy. Hmm. Well, and one of those lawsuits is going to make it, North Carolina, Louisiana, and but it might not be anytime soon. Oh, they will. You know, and I, and I told Mr. LaCour behind closed doors, I said, you know, I just, I've got 140 members of the legislature that, that need to put this behind us. I got seven members of Congress that need to know where their districts are. I've got, you know, a couple million people in the state of Alabama know who need to know who they're going to vote for. So we need to put this behind us and, and give some clarity and some settlement because it's getting so close. Qualifying deadlines, November the 8th. Yeah, it's coming up. I mean, we don't have much time for these candidates to, to get in and figure out how they're running and, and haven't helped these poor registrars. Remember the last time we had this problem, you know, trying to update and, and, and change. Thank God in congressional, it's, it's mostly just entire counties. Yeah, a few exceptions, but mostly yeah, counties. But those poor registrars in Mobile are going to have a terrible time. Well, let's talk about that. Have you talked to Jerry Carl about his potential new district? Jerry's fine with it. Jerry has done a great job of reaching out to the people in the Wiregrass. Uh, uh, Jerry's own businesses over in Dothan and Houston County. He knows a lot of people there. Uh, and it's, you know, the concern, I mean, Jerry's just going to run. Right. And I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not going to predict a winner or a loser, but uh, he's going to run and he's going to work hard. Believe me, I, I know how hard he works when he campaigns. I found out the hard way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and he's just, he's a nice, very affable guy. Very hard work. You know, what was curious about that race, was there, was, there was nobody like based in Baldwin County. If you think about it, this new district, if, if one of these special master plans is adopted, the, the power base in that, new first district is Baldwin County. I mean, that's where the voter base is going to be considering how much of Mobile's going. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. So, you know, but think about this. I want to, I want to touch on this. What the special master has now done to Mobile. It has moved the steel plant. It has moved Airbus. It has moved Austell. It has moved the Alabama docks. 
and the University of South Alabama, the, all the largest employers in Mobile and Baldwin County will now be in the second district out of Montgomery because Montgomery is going to dominate the second district. Mm. So w- all of our the, the, the industries that are dependent on federal government, like Airbus and Allstool and all, are now going to be dependent on who the congressman from the second district is. Well, I'll push back on that because I'm from Montgomery. I worked for a member of Congress who represented Montgomery, but we, sh- we shared it three ways. It was yeah. Martha Roby, Terry Sewell, Mike Rogers. And so the big one is Maxwell Air Force Base, right? I guess it was technically in Martha's district for a while. I think now it's in Sewell's district, but everybody considered it their own. Everybody fought for it. So it actually kind of helped to have multiple congressmen that were, that were helping with. So couldn't you see it that way? Like, okay, you, you actually, obviously Jerry Carl is always going to fight for yeah. the port and for all those things because his constituents are about it. So could you see it helping actually that you it, gain a voice? It depends on who they elect out of the second district. So it just really depends who the congressperson is out of the second district. Yeah. Well, yeah, here's what's amazed me. I'm going to say this. Going through this, the desire from the blacks to do away with Terry Sewell. They want her gone, and it surprised me behind the scenes hearing them talk about wanting her replaced. Because I think when you, say, Sewell, when you say blacks, who do you I mean? I, I'm not going to call names, but in, in discussing it with black elected officials, I was told okay. in no certain terms they wanted her gone, and they wanted somebody there that's going to be militant well, in her place. I'm about to interview Bobby Singleton, um, not on In the Weeds, I'm on Capital yeah. Journal, so we'll see what he says. Cause he's the one that said, Hey, I, I'm thinking about running. And I, it, it wasn't lost on me that it was him and Smitherman that introduced the Jefferson County whole map. Yeah. And that obviously wouldn't have benefited Singleton so much as it would have benefited a Jefferson County candidate to yeah. win that seventh district. Do you think that was by design? There's it's, it's, I was surprised some of the stuff I learned during this, this game, this whole process behind the scenes. Are you say, you say militant? You mean she's too friendly to the business community, too friendly I, to I was, I was just told that we want somebody there that's going to be more militant. Wow. And it, it, it caught me off guard. I'm not going to say who, who said it, but, um, and Terry's, Terry's is a fabulous member of Congress. I mean, she works and you know, she doesn't vote with the rest of the delegation, but she works well with the rest of the delegation. Well, I was going to say, I, mean, speaking I hope of- I don't get her in trouble now. Um, actually, I think she's coming on the show next week, but, um, the, uh, I was going to say about like Maxwell. So we got two Republicans and a Democrat representing Montgomery. Well, that really helped when Obama was president, you know, she has great relationship with not only the president, but the first lady. And just, I mean, you know, that was incredibly helpful. Um, because, you know, obviously Republicans are saying bad things about the Obamas and she's like, oh, OK, but then Trump gets elected and she needs things. So it's always this back and forth. So I, I, I might see that from, you know, if a Democrat gets elected, say it's Stephen Reid or something. You know, if Biden gets reelected, it might be helpful to have a Democrat uh, representing. Oh, it, part was, of it, was, it was terribly beneficial to the state of Alabama to have a uh, have Miss Congresswoman Sewell there. I mean. At one point, you remember she was the only member of the delegation that had access to the speaker's office and to the White House. Mm. Uh, and, and while she doesn't necessarily agree with the Republicans and doesn't vote with them, she she 
is able to work with people and, and, and communicate with people. It's very valuable. And it's very valuable to the state of Alabama. It, this is, you know, this is real world politics and, and you have to have access when you're in Washington. I mean, mm -hmm. access is everything up there. Yeah, I know. it. Well, you were going to build a wall, I think, around. That was in front of Nancy Pelosi. Do you remember <laughs> that ad? <laughs> I remember your ad. You were building a, you were building a wall around Nancy Pelosi's office door or something like that. It was pretty clever. I thought it was funny. Uh, in fact, you know, Jerry and I got to be very good friends in that race, and, and we were talking, and he said, yeah, we were terrified. That was so funny that it was going to go viral. <laughs> it kind of did, as I recall, for, for a minute. That was just a, a weird election year, though. That's okay. Listen, but, uh, look at it. Jerry's doing a great job in Congress. Look at me. I'm, I'm having the time of my life in the Alabama House. I'm the Speaker Pro Tem of the House. I'm serving under a fabulous uh, Speaker. Nathaniel Ledbetter is just a rock star. And I wish more people could see how good he, he really is because behind the scenes, he is a master of what he does. Mm. He is able to, to tamp down problems and solve problems. And so it doesn't blow up. Give me, give me an example if you can, I know you can't talk out of school, but is there an example you can point to that's like, Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he just members get mad about something and they go in there and he just shuts it down. I mean, he's like, uh, I'm not going to name names. One member was mad about uh, didn't want the person that was assigned to, to sit next to him and went in there and started raising cane saying, I've got seniority. I don't want this person here. I want somebody else. And he just looked at member and goes, nobody wants to sit next to you. So we had to put a freshman. So get used to it. <laughs> but, you know, and he's not mean. He's just firm. Oh, I can and, see him smiling. When yeah. He said, well, nobody wants to sit next to you. So. Yeah, that's whether it's true or not, I didn't know, but it was he kind of did it with humor, yeah. but he shut it down. He he solved the problem and he's so good at doing that. I, I've watched him so many times, you know, just lean over and and he'll and stop things to keep the process. Look how smooth the process has been going since he's been speaker. You know, it really has. And yeah. it was not so the the last quadronium, the last term was rocky at times um in the house you know and i'm not saying matt mccutcheon was doing a bad job or anything like that i'm just saying it was rocky and it really hasn't been this this first year mac is a, is a, probably one of the nicest men i've ever met and i used to tell mac this i said mac the best word you can learn to speakers no and sometimes you're trying to appease people you can't appease because no matter what you give them it's not going to be enough and, and nathaniel is very fair but he he will say no to you and believe me he said no to me a few times Hmm. But you know, and but that's that's his job. He is the speaker. He is the leader of that chamber. Maybe uh, a word Kevin McCarthy could start learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's trying to appease people you can't make happy. It's nice when y'all have a what? What is it? A um, I mean, how big is the majority here? Y'all got seventy three members, yeah. and they have twenty seven or twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, and the the margin in DC is four. I think so. A lot easier uh, to deal with, but that's now that's interesting. Look, yeah. I know you probably got to go. A anything else you want to hit on? Nope. Okay. Got to get out of here. Yeah. I broke my radio silence. That's right. Well, we're <laughs> glad you did it here. All right. Mr. Ringle, thanks, thanks again for coming on Thank in the weeds. Appreciate you. All right, guys. All right, Mary. What do yeah. you think? I That was interesting. I had not heard him say about uh, the AG's office bringing him that map. Uh, during during special session and and him saying no I'm not I'm not putting my name on that this this is interesting 
Yeah, that's news. That's news. And but we, you know, we have heard he has said previously. You know, he two weeks ago, maybe it was three weeks ago, he he filed his original map with the court because he said he wanted them to see what what he had been proposing. So we've seen him sort of distance himself a bit in, in since the special session from from what the state what legislature's right, right. I mean, I, I asked him that very question. Like, is is that why you submitted your or resubmitted your map to the court as a way to messaging to them like, hey, we weren't all just trying to flout the order. Mm-hmm. I think that's the frustration I'm hearing. I, I wrote a lot of this in Inside Alabama Politics this week, and it, it came from hearing from mo- mostly senators, some mm-hmm. House members, but I think they were already kind of checked out. But hearing from senators who were, you know, had some buyer's remorse about like, right. man, and this is before the ruling, right? This is, it's mm-hmm. easy to say after the ruling, yeah, that was a, that was a bad strategy. I'm talking about in the, the last few weeks. Right. Uh, saying like, hmm, I just wish we had that one to do over again. And yeah. And um, I know. think we're going to see more of that as, as time goes on. I think we're going to see lawmakers maybe distance themselves a little bit from this. And we'll hear more about this was the AG's map. This was this was the map that was presented to us. But at the end of the day, there are the 140 elected officials that that ran for this office and have to make the tough votes. So they they're the ones that they have to own this uh, when it when it's all said and done. But but yeah, I've gotten I know you've gotten a ton of text. Um, I've gotten a few about when when the ruling came down. Just like oh, this is it's just a bad look. It just just a bad look, and it was a, a big effort, uh, a commitment of time and money by the state, and they lost. Yeah, and I think. Like I understand the attorney general's arguments, I really do, and I do think there's a there is a conflict, um, in, you know, between the Voting Rights Act, the Fourteenth Amendment. Really, there's conflict within the Voting Rights Act to begin with. Mm-hmm. Things that need to be answered by the court, and I understand his point that probably no map that was presented in the special session to include Pringles would have would have probably been acceptable, right? I think mm-hmm. Pringle had what forty three percent BVAP. Yeah. yeah, so that's not you know that's not forty eight, forty nine, uh, but it's also not thirty nine. Um, so I, I think he, the Attorney General's got a point there, but I think the prevailing I don't know conventional wisdom is like, yeah, but it's Alabama. Like, were mm. we were we ever going to win that? Like, it, you know, you, you take away the legal arguments, you take away the nuance. It's like. Is the court really going to overturn? So, yeah, right. Maybe that's not the exact term to use, but it's for all intents and purposes overturn, significantly alter Section Two of the Voting Rights Act, right. because Alabama. Yeah, wants to do. like we're we're, the, we're right. a big reason for the Voting Rights Act. So, right. Um, so the, yeah, the, I, and so I, I enjoyed um, getting to kind of ask Pringle about that. And, um, and look, he didn't throw Marshall under the bus. He agrees with him. It's just sounds like a difference between not opinions legally, but just strategy. Strategy. Yeah. And I mean, obviously this and Marshall has said that, you know, they're going to keep keep fighting for for their 2023 map um, and that it, this is not over. But 
whether or not it's over for Alabama, it is definitely not over for other states. And I mean, we're this, yeah, it's not Alabama, but but this this conversation, yeah. this fight continues in several other states. And one thing uh, I, I didn't say, I said it on Capital Journal. I, uh, we didn't get into it here, but I can see this com- coming to a head. Like, again, I doubt it's Alabama's case, but it could be North Carolina's case. It could be Louisiana's case. The Supreme Court needs to clarify for states. Mm-hmm. You know, how are we supposed to draw lines? Yeah. You know, the so <laughs> law says do don't use in, grace, but right. you must we're use We're going to be doing this again in eight years. <laughs> well, so I, what I see coming is... I mean, think about the Dobbs decision and think about overturning Roe v. Wade and what a monumental thing that was and how disruptive it has been politically. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's just it's that that fallout is still happening it, this next election. We're still going to be feeling it. And so it's, it's kind of like that. Like, let's say it's three years from now or, or whatever. If the court significantly alters the Voting Rights Act or even if it's the absolute correct thing to do, the country's going to have a fit. And right. so that's what I, I see this sort of time bomb yeah. um, going. But but again, it's it's probably a little less. Um, so you think after 2024? Yeah. You think this so, is an after 2024 election sort of issue? Yeah. Goodness, let's hope so. I mean, um, well, I don't, I don't want to think about 2024. I don't want, <laughs> I, I made the mistake of turning on that debate uh, night for like, I, I think I made it 20 minutes or something. Uh, and just, I think I had a phone call and I was like, okay, was, <laughs> that was a disaster. It was such a mess, but. Anyway, so did I, did I do okay in an interview without you? I mean, you limped through it. You did all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. He was, he's, he's always fun to interview. No, it was good. <laughs> he is. Um, knows what he's, knows what he's talking about. Not afraid to say what he means. And that's, you know, a few politicians are like that these days. Yeah. So, all right, Mary. Good. Thank, thank you for steering our ship through this crazy week. It has been a it's should been shout a out busy. Alex. For, yeah, Alex is running his little tail off. He's so. been everywhere. He's been everywhere reporting on this. Uh, and thanks also to Kim Chandler. She, yeah, um, for AP, she really had a lot of um, great stories. And anyway, just one of those weeks out of session that ended up being way, way busier than normal. So anyway, but for us in the news business, that's a really good, it's a good thing. thing. It is a good thing. I would much rather be busy than than not. So that's right. All right. Well, good pod. War Eagle. War Eagle. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, Thank you all for listening. Uh, Please leave us a rating and a review. That's actually really helpful when you, when you do that, especially on uh, iTunes, Apple uh, podcasts, it helps other people find it that might be interested in this podcast. So please leave us a rating and review. And with that, we will talk to you next time. See you next time.